Welcome back to Top Track, the weekly podcast where we analyze and scrutinize rock and roll's greatest albums, one alphabetical letter at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew. I'm another of your hosts, Matt. How are you doing, man? Good, man. What are you up to? Not much. It's good to I'm, see you another week. Yes, indeed. We have made it to the D's. Nobody said we could make it this far, and here we are. We had that nobody believed in us locker room speech just yeah. before this episode, and but we did it. We, we did actually it. are here. And we and haven't we even talked about people getting murdered, no. horrible things happening. We're just talking rock and roll, dude. We don't do the murder podcast. Everybody loves those. I know. I know. Not is me. there a, is there a niche? No, not me either. Is there a niche for us though? We've got to carve out our little uh, spot in the world. Is, nobody's going to hand it to us, Andrew. Um, and this week we're going to be channeling. Oh, I tell you what. Before that, got some shout outs to some top tracolites. We do. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Blake who listened and he had some feedback on our Beach Boys episode. So I want to thank Blake. Uh, Olivia also enjoyed our Aerosmith episode. I think she almost made it all the way through, so that's always that's always nice to hear. Nice. Yeah, I know. Did she hear what she the top good. track was? I think she's listening to it in chunks. Okay, so it's like we'll stopping the Sixth Sense uh, before you find out the, the hard truth. Or like the Shawshank Redemption before you find out there's a hole behind that Rita Hayworth poster. And the hole for the Aerosmith episode was... <laughs> What was it? Living on the edge? Was that the hole? Well, that was uh, our was first that, minor disagreement. But was that the dead Bruce Willis? <laughs> it was. Uh, I'd also like to give a quick shout out. Oh my yes, colleague, my colleague Colleen Spillane. Uh, this is her fifth favorite, or it's in her top five albums of all time. And we haven't said what it is, but we're about to. I feel we're about to get to it. But first, we gotta we gotta get on our leather vests and our guy liner. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I don't want to steal your thunder or step on you, Matt. You tell us. <laughs> this is Depeche Mode Violator, and Depeche Mode translates literally to quick fashion. For all of you out there speaking French, say that again. Quick fashion. Quick fashion. Quick fashion. Okay. For all our f- people in France who are listening right now. They're going to be confused. They're going to be like, what is this guy talking about? Um, so would you say that Depeche Mode is the greatest of all the modes? Ooh. Why don't you give me a list of some modes, and I'll tell you which one is the best mode. Okay. All right. So I, I broke down, actually, what I thought the best five modes were. But then, Matt, I also have what I think the worst five modes are okay so a lot of modes out there i know um and maybe maybe i'll put some maybe i'll put a drum roll in post so we'll okay. hear a drum roll in the background but uh here are the worst five modes okay if you will uh, um, is, this was uh in a, a medical journal or something this is some sort of scientific publication you're pulling these from we were in the laboratory okay for a long time working on this and analyzing um scrutinizing tests, scrutinizing eulogizing Blood tests were probably done. The the worst five modes. I have crisis mode. Okay. If you're in crisis mode, you're in a bad situation. That's true. That's not a good situation. But also, you, you get a lot done in crisis mode. That's true. Very efficient. Don't step on my list. Okay, Matt, go ahead. If you don't go mind. Ahead. This is yep. This is my investigative journalism. This is yeah. We're cutting right down to it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I was taking okay. my keys out of my pocket and hit the. Uh, <laughs> Panic button. Crisis mode. That's crisis. <laughs> That's crisis mode right there. Coming in pretty close to crisis mode, survival mode. It's desperate mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have tied for third. 
I have Lydian and Mixolydian modes. Hmm. I think those are some of your... Lydian uses seven tones, and I've always said, why not just use eight? See, that's why it's on the list. Th- yeah, I agree with that one, actually, okay. wholeheartedly. Yeah. And then Mixolydian, of course. Mm. What, which one is that you, one? That's just where you mix up the seven tones. See, that's no, that's no good. Yeah, that's a bad. why not just mix up the eight? Fifth on the list of my the worst five modes, I have airplane mode. Hmm, and, that's controversial. But you can't you can't text, you can't receive texts. Yeah. Now you can charge your phone faster in airplane mode. Did you know that? That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, now airplane mode, aside from survival mode, is one of the only modes that could save lives, though, right? How so? Well, if you're on an airplane. Uh huh. You're not interfering with the uh, the navigation systems and that sort of thing. That's so, an urban legend. It exists for a reason, Andrew. <laughs> I think that's the top mode. Again, please don't step on my list. Man. Sorry, go ahead. All right, so these are your best five modes. I have wizard mode. You're basically at the last level of a video game or a pinball game. It's called wizard mode. Okay. I don't use that one a lot uh, unless it's Mike Tyson's punch out. Okay, that's a great example. When you've gotten to Mike Tyson and you're one step away from finishing the game, you're in wizard mode. Okay. Silent mode, Hmm. um, when you're able to take a tech break, put your phone on silent, that's slightly better than airplane mode. Yeah, yeah. It's it's why it's in the best five modes. Beast mode, Marshawn Lynch. Mm, Marshawn Lynch. Led the Seattle Seahawks to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship. And if they had given him the ball in the last play of the second Super Bowl he was in, he probably would have scored and the Seahawks would have been back-to-back winners. They didn't, but still, I have Beast Mode as third okay. on the list of the, of the best modes. I respect modes. that. Okay. Piala Mode. Oh, well, yeah. I, I'm surprised that's not number one. Well, number one is Depeche Mode. Oh, well, I stand corrected. All right, so Matt... We're doing Violator, which was the seventh album. Came out what March uh, March nineteen ninety? Is that what you have in uh, yeah? That's about your right. Notes? That's about right. All right. Yeah. You had the privilege of seeing Depeche Mode just a, a few weeks ago. A about few a weeks ago. ago yes, ago, at the Smoothie King Center. Um, and for those outside of the outside of our area, where is the Smoothie King Center? Where did you see them? This was uh, New Orleans, right across the street from okay. the Superdome. Yes, you're right. The, the, our Swedish listeners are not going to know what the Smoothie King Center not, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just know that it's a uh, it's a venue not known for its sound. Oh, really? Yeah, like I've I've been to a couple concerts there. The sound was dubious, but not not this instance, my friend. Mm. This was the best concert sound I've ever experienced. No lie. Explain why the sound would be so much better at the Smoothie King for Depeche Mode, but then would fail for other acts. Or it's for a good other... question. Um, th- is th- it just their guys? I think it is. So I saw Ariana Grande there, and it was a mess. I think uh, the mixing was just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but Depeche Mode, I feel like these guys are pros. They've been doing this a long time. They know what sounds good in a stadium. Um, I did not have high expectations for them, I'll be honest, because um, I had never been to a Depeche Mode show. But when I tell you these guys are like every bit as good as they've ever been, um, it's I know it's surprising, but Dave Gahan's still getting around the stage, um, moving around a lot, just belting it out, just giving the audience everything he has. 
And the surprise to me was that Martin Gore is equally as good a singer as Dave, if not better. There were a couple moments where he got the spotlight to sing a few songs, mm-hmm. and um, he really went for it. What's probably the best or the most well-known song that he sings? Let's see. There's one on here. Like when you have two lead singers, but one carries most of the weight, but then when the other one sings just to kind of mix it up, everyone's like, oh, man, he should really sing more. But is that the case here? Is it like... I feel like if you let Martin Gore sing as much as his talent warranted, he would just be doing everything at that point. He's like the main creative force. He can sound every bit as good as Dave on the vocals, but he can also sound better. I just feel like he w- it would just be the Martin Gore show. And he does sing a couple songs on this album, Blue Dress and Sweetest Perfection, uh, which I think were... A, at least one of those was the songs that he sang solo on. And, okay. um and they did uh, Waiting on the Night, or is it Waiting for the Night or Waiting on waiting, the Night? F- waiting for the Night. Waiting for the Night together. Um, they came out and they moved to the front peninsula of this stage setup that they had, just the mm-hmm. two of them singing harmonies. And it was an incredible moment, dude. Like their harmonies were just dead on. And then at the end of the song, they gave each other a big hug. And it was like, man, these guys, here's two guys that have been through a lot together really respect each other and really are brothers um it was just a beautiful moment just an incredible show the, and the audio visual show was again as good as any show i've seen um they had a, a massive screen really crisp visuals uh really well thought out kind of vignettes playing behind them uh just an incredible show like i can't say enough good things about it i was not expecting that i was blown away man and the reason why I ask about the lead singer thing is so like the, the Rolling Stones, I think, are the example that comes to mind. So like when, you know, Keith gets one song an album and usually when he sings, it's a nice, it's always a nice change mm-hmm. of pace. And I'm like, man, Keith ought to do four or five songs an album. But like, let's be honest, that's probably too many. And it could be a less is more kind of thing. And four or five songs, it's like, okay. But just that one or two, he's he's good, and it's just a good change of pace. Is that kind of Hollow Notes is another example. <laughs> when John Oates goes out there to sing a song, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, John Oates has a good voice. Like yeah. he he actually does pretty well. But like, wait a second, do I am I saying that I want John Oates singing fifty percent of the songs? Probably not. But anyway, is it kind of like that, or is it like the thing is like with Martin Gore when he sings his songs on this album, and we'll go over them. Uh, you can't tell that it's Martin Gore. Mm-hmm. He sounds just like Dave when he sings. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. Like, could you, knowing that he sings two songs on here, could you like just point them out off the top of your head? No, no, because no. he sounds just like him. But then when he no. needs to belt it out, he really can. In fact, if you had asked me before, if you had said, "Hey, this guy sings seven songs and this guy sings two, which is which," there's no way right. I would know. Right. I mean, you know which songs Keith is singing. You know which songs Joe Perry is singing. True. We, we, we kind of went over this a little bit on... Uh, definitely know which ones Joe Perry is singing. On the Aerosmith. But I, I'm with you. I like Keith. Uh, I like um, kind of the, the break in the um, the vibe that, yeah. that offering him a song every now and then and brings. It's like a George Harrison moment. I'm just laughing, picturing you at this show, like with a bunch of goth teens. I was not. Pit. I was with a librarian friend. Shout out to Kate Martin, who gave me the ticket. 
Were, uh, were, otherwise, were, I would not have been able to go. Were they whispering narc every time like they saw you? <laughs> were they like, or was everybody pretty much your age? I had the least amount of guy liner on. I was. You maybe, didn't have your leather vest. No, I think I might have been wearing a a sting shirt or something just to everybody so everybody can know i'm the narc in the in the bunch like wearing a sting shirt to a depeche mode concert is like wearing a philadelphia eagles jersey to a kansas city chiefs game well when you or don't get out a- much man you, you gotta find your only concert tee i understand you weren't ostracized or no there there were quite a few people that um it was interesting though at the concession stand i was uh i was buying a beverage and it you don't really think about the staff. Like, is this special to them? Is it not? Is it just a day at work? Uh, the lady behind the concession stand was like, Depeche Mode? Who's that? What kind of music they play? Mm-hmm. Like, well, they play jazz. That's what I told her. <laughs> but um, uh, it's, it's interesting. N- like, new new fashion. Wait, what is it? Uh, quick, quick fashion. fashion. Yeah. Quick fashion. Yeah. yeah. Could Never be a jazz heard, band. It, it sounds pretty avant-garde. So yeah, great show, man. Again, thank you, Kate, for that ticket. One of the best shows I've ever been to. Did uh, what was their encore? Personal Jesus was one of them. Mm-hmm. I want to say just can't get enough. Maybe. Maybe that was played. Yeah. Um, How many but, songs from this album were on the on their encore? Do you remember? You were just too loaded to. <laughs> I think maybe I had like one light beer. So yeah. The hell that, you did. <laughs> um, I want to say they played about three or four. Okay. I don't want to name them because we're going to talk about them later. Okay. Well, that sounds like an awesome show, man. It was. You know, they just lost a, a member. And Andy I, Fletcher. And I yeah. heard, do they do any kind of memoriam, in memoriam? Yeah. Um, you know, like at the Academy Awards shows when they when they flash no, all those that have... Well, it's, it's one name. That's true. So no, it's not, really they don't do it that style. It, but okay. I think, you know, their, their new album is called Memento Mori, and I think it's kind mm. of a, a recognition of... Um, you know, mortality. It's a dark band. They, they are a dark band, but uh, I, I think I think that one's kind of a tribute to to Andy. And uh, they did have like a picture of him uh, in okay. the background at, uh, during one of the songs. So. Well, that was sweet. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah. I heard that I U two right now is touring, and they don't have their drummer. They're doing the Sphere tour in Vegas, okay. and they don't have their drummer. So what they're doing is they're he's like he has back issues. So they have his drum set like on the front line of the stage, but it's empty. Okay. And then they have the guy that's really playing the drums. I don't know who it is. Right. They have him kind of like basically shoved in a closet back at the back okay. of the back line. I guess there's no like union uh, in in apparently rock not. music. No, apparently not. Uh, and also, where's Larry Mullen the third? I mean, that's I don't know. Well, he the natural he, go-to. He 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 may be the he may be the guy that's shoved in the closet. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> it's Larry it Mullen's be, son. Yeah, he may be the guy <laughs> in the closet. All right, so there are nine tracks on this album, and what we do is we whittle it down until we're just left with one top track. And Matt, I don't think we, I don't think we decided what our safe word is. Explain for the listeners the safe word concept. The safe word uh, protects us all. It keeps us in a safe environment uh, for when one of us uh, is triggered by the other naming our top track as one of their throwaway tracks. That's um, right, and. You violated me. Or, there, there you um, go. Reach out and don't touch my faith. I don't know. Like what? I guess we'll know it when we get to it. All right. So, the album is Violator. It came out March nineteen ninety. 
feel like a lot of the music that was being played in March 1990 was steering away from like rock and it was a lot of a lot of pop and a lot of kind of I don't know, not R and B, but just the synth was taking over. Synth, a lot of synth. You listen to those Madonna uh, songs, and actually, like the underlying music sounds a lot like some of this music in terms of mm-hmm. the, the synthesized bass lines, the samples, the stuff that you were hearing on the radio was a lot of like this album, this Violator. A lot of these songs were what I heard every morning on the way to school, just listening to our top forty radio station. Sure. So yeah, all right. So so interesting, interesting tidbit about this album. We sure. we always talk about like uh, where these albums fall in the Rolling Stones' 500 greatest albums of all time list. Mm-hmm. So in 2003, this one was number 342, and then in 2020, it actually went up quite a few spots to number 167, which never happens. Wow, what a jump! Yeah, and usually albums fall because you're adding new ones to the mix. But this is one that actually climbed uh, on a later list. So this has only gotten better with time. It's aging well. It's aging like fine wine. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, so the, uh, Violator, there are nine songs on Violator, and I'll go ahead and just rattle them off. Side one starts with World in My Eyes, Sweetest Perfection, Personal Jesus, Halo, and side, two, side one closes with Waiting for the Night. And then side two, only four songs, opens with Enjoy the Silence, Policy of Truth, Blue Dress, and Clean. Clean closes out side two and mm-hmm. the album. So, as we do on every, every show, we flip a coin to determine... What are you looking at? <laughs> Looking, looking to see what you're going to use as a coin. Uh, I oh, okay. actually have a coin this time. Uh, we got the old nickel. Yeah, we got the old nickel. I think we used this nickel last time. This nickel is going to sit in the center of the table, okay. and it's just going to be the, the top track nickel. Top track nickel. Yeah. All right, so who, I think who flipped last? I think actually I flipped. Mm-hmm. You called it. Okay. So you flip, and I will call it. That's only fair. It's only fair. I think, wait, I, I think that's right. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, leave a comment. We we don't know. All right, uh, we don't I'm, care about fairness around no, here. No, that's no, that's way down the list. Fact, All right. um, Let's just do what feels right. That's what Depeche Mode would do. That's right. Did you already call? I haven't even called it yet. All right, <laughs> I okay. guess you know who was tails then. Right. I, no, I here definitely can't. I definitely can't see that far. Right. I'm going to go heads. Heads, it is. Oh man! All right. Are you um, kicking off or are you receiving? I'm going to kick off. I'm not going to defer. I feel like I've won a lot of tosses. I, that could be, that could well, just be my own sort of recollection. But I feel like I've won a lot of coin tosses. It's the home team advantage. Yeah, this is exactly. your house. We are be kind the, of embarrassing yeah. for you. You lost. <laughs> uh, Have you ever listened to Depeche Mode during the day? Yeah. Okay. I didn't think that was possible. It's a weird. It's a weird vibe. And like the, this is kind of fall, gray, gloomy weather. Yeah. And this album is perfect. I I'll tell you what. I could probably listen to this album in the daytime, but I definitely couldn't listen to this album in the summertime. I don't think I could listen mm. to Depeche Mode on a nice spring day. This seems like night music to me. Yeah, I agree. Like, They're like a little if, dark. If vampire was a genre, like vampire core was a genre, this is what it would sound like. Well, now I had to listen to it in the day because I did had to do my research. Okay. I think you're going to be impressed because 
Um, for the listeners out there, I was not familiar with this album all the way through. I, of course, know the hits, but like the deep cuts, didn't know them. So this is this was just full dive, serious research. And um, and just if, if you want to know my takeaways, I thought this was an outstanding album. Indeed. And um, there may be one or two clunkers. I don't even know if clunkers is the right word. There are a couple songs I didn't like, but for the most part, I like this album all the way through. So it's going nice. to be hard to to um, see some of these songs off. Just like get a grip. Yeah. <laughs> the first song that I have to lose that we have to that we have to get off the list is actually the final song on the album, mm. and that is "Clean." We're gonna clean it from our list. We're gonna clean it from our list, but we're gonna first listen to it. Here we go. Clean, right? Only on top track. bad for a worst track on i album. know it's just it's it's a little plotting as an album closer it actually works pretty well the lyrics i'm guessing are about getting clean from illegal illicit substances or it could be about taking a bath i don't know i'm not quite sure what the i think the, the former is probably closer okay. yeah well i'm very naive matt okay. you know i'm very naive you don't know I, about such things yeah exactly so i um i wasn't quite sure about that but uh i thought that uh the music is is beautiful i really liked it it's just a little bit a little plotting a little repetitive and it kind of it um it wore out its welcome pretty quick but mm-hmm. otherwise you know not a bad song not, not at all maybe the only if i had to pick one clunker this would probably be it. I'm with you. Uh, this would have been my second elimination, so oh, my okay. eight, mo- eighth most favorite song on this album, I suppose. Okay. It's, a, it's a good closing tune, I think, uh, as you alluded to. Lyrically, very literally, it's a cleansing of the palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows some rare positive trajectory in the life of a Depeche Mode protagonist. It's a rare break from the debauchery and the self-loathing. Um, the lyrics are saying, now that I'm clean, you know what I mean. I've broken my fall, put an end to it all. I've changed my routine. Now I'm clean. Um, I think it, I think it works well as a, a final track. Musically, I like the bass tone going on. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's like, like you said, it's kind of plodding, not much going on there musically. Uh, I have read that it, people think it was sampled from Pink Floyd's one of these days from their metal album, M E D D L E. So I don't know that album very well. I don't either, but it does sound very similar. I went and listened to it. What's cool about this band is that they use a surprising amount of sampling as opposed to 
just like traditional synth presets. They don't just turn on a synthesizer and, and pick a sound. They are actually sampling things and um, like, like early hip-hop artists would. Um, and as a matter of fact, they use the, um, the Emu 2 synthesizer, which was made famous by Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's the one he uses to record the sounds of him snoring and that sort of thing. Burping and exactly. sneezing. You know, all the things that a young man does sure. uh, in his bedroom. Why didn't they have any of the sneezing and the burping on this one? Well, interestingly enough, on a prior album, I think they have a, a sample of like uh, Dave's Porsche or something, like the tailpipe of Dave's Porsche mm. as the basis of a song. Interesting. Now, on this one, uh, they have a string sample of Gustav Mahler's Symphony Number no. 5 and C-sharp minor. Are you familiar with that song, Andrew? It's on my workout playlist. <laughs> That really gets you, gets you jazzed, yeah. huh? But yeah, cool song. It, it's a, uh, it's a good suite though. I find with Blue Dress. Uh, Blue Dress is kind of dirty, but they sound kind of similar musically. They kind of run into each other. Works uh, good as a, as a final two songs, but um, the song doesn't go too many places. It just kind of sits there. Clean first song off the list. And when read those lyrics again, mm. read the lyrics you had. They're pretty deep. Now that I'm clean, you know what I mean. I've broken my fall, put an end to it all. I've changed my routine. Now I'm clean. Can you imagine Ernie or Bert singing that in the bathtub on Sesame Street? <laughs> Listeners, put that on YouTube. I'm that, telling you. Is that a thing? Get, that'll get No, I don't okay. know if it is or not. I'm, I'm asking to listeners be. to put it on YouTube. Oh, you, you, is YouTube still a thing? Yeah. I well, think, no, I mean, I Bert, no, your, your vision for this song. Is oh. like, can we get AI to do that? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe society doesn't need that. All right. So what's the first song on your list to eliminate? Mm, sweetest Perfection. This was my next song. Nice. Here we go. Sweetest Perfection. This is uh, the second song on side one. bit of a misnomer of a of a song title there's nothing yeah. sweet or perfect about this song no i love the irony yeah that's the pesh mode for you yeah that's quick fashion for you mm-hmm. um you know this is like uh this, they're really leaning heavily into depeche mode uh here you know we've got a song that's about so you're saying this song is very depeche mode it is yeah, yeah. uh it's a little too sad sack depeche mode for me Mm, wow, that's um, really sad. That's, it, that's pretty far on the sad spectrum. Yeah, uh, you know, we got 
themes of intimacy, drugs, surrender, you know, the classic Depeche Mode topics. Sure. Um, interestingly, features a sample of Fleetwood Mac's Black Magic Woman. Um, Man, it, I didn't hear that either. It, it, well, it's buried pretty deep, and I think okay. that was part of the fun they were having sure. with some of these samples is that they use them for weird things. Depeche Mode using. I think I, I I like it better when samples are used in that way. Yeah, I think I like it over the head. Yeah, like the Ice Ice Baby sample, and even some of the Beastie Boys samples, where it's just it's the whole song. Right. It kind of it's it seems like a little bit um, little little cheap and a little too easy. I like the sort of subtle samples that really kind of give a song. A little weight and a little bit of layer so yeah. anyway i mean these guys to their credit they really worked on making these songs what they were like nothing was uh phoned in in terms of just turning on the keyboard and like picking a preset i mean they went and found an old fleetwood mac song to use as like a, an atmospheric uh undertone in one of the worst songs in the album so mm-hmm. um these guys are really on the forefront of doing something pretty cool sonically uh, now, this song just goes nowhere for me. And Alan Wilder uh, of Depeche Mode said of the outro, the weird stuff at the end came together during the mixing stage. It's the kind of thing you resort to when you haven't really got an ending. So there it is uh, from one of the men himself. They didn't really know where to go with this song, and it just kind of like plods along into a sonic puddle for me. If it were me, I would have buried this on side two. I think it's it's actually dangerous to put a song that plotting as your that's true that's the second track as your second track not sure quite what the thought process was there but i think i've if you know i'm always fascinated by sequencing and i think you bury this one on the side on the back of side too yeah maybe it precedes clean you just kind of go out with those two but then you know you kind of want your album to kind of go out on a high note so i know you don't want to put all your bad songs but like yeah this one maybe is maybe maybe second song on side two maybe would be a good place for it i don't know the logic but yeah i agree with you this is um if this is a baseball lineup this is like putting your slowest runner in the second hitting position right my next song is a song you mentioned a minute ago that um I really like, but um, I have some reasons why I don't, and we'll go over those now. It's Blue Dress. Mm. That is... Uh, uh, by the way, that last tune was a gore vocal. Okay. you didn't so even was, notice. I didn't even notice. Exactly. And you even mentioned it at the beginning of the show, and I still didn't notice. That's that's how he rolls. Yeah. Do you know how long it took? I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but do you know how long it took to record this album? It says, like, if you go to Wikipedia, it says it was recorded from 89 to 90. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to say they started in very, March of 89. Okay. Recorded in several different cities Milan. Yeah, Milan, London, Denmark, New York City. Uh, and they really took a long time working on songs, like 20 and 30 takes. So, yeah, this one took a long time. And actually, we didn't mention this either, but the singles started be getting released in August of 89. The album doesn't get released till March of 90, but they released their first single, a song we'll talk about a little bit later, on August 28th of 1989. So, yeah, a lot of uh, build-up to this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned Blue Dress was my next one. Here is a little bit 
of Blue Dress. vocal on the album in my opinion i think the vocal is great you know who sang this song martin gore <laughs> okay so he actually is making um the 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 counter argument to what i was saying so now two of the notable vocals you're right are the yeah, it's are, a beautiful are, vocal though you are correct about yeah, that i like it i in fact the only thing i don't like about it otherwise it probably would have been like in my top three or top four maybe is the the weird sort of synth at the beginning the the okay. kind of the screechy I don't know much about what the blue dress is meant to represent I'm wondering if you do yeah I have a I have a sound clip um oh I have an interview clip from Martin Gore here it is oh okay yeah. let's hear it yeah let go, let yeah me go cue ahead. that up cue that up let me go ahead and get okay. it here on okay ready only right. on top track this only is on, this is exclusive uh, I called him last night to get this soundbite okay here we go um here we go i suppose my songs do seem to advocate immorality but if you listen to them there's always a sense of guilt then then there's blue dress that's a pervy song so okay well there you go just a pervy song andrew i love the quality the audio quality we had on that audio clip that was fantastic i used a an adat okay adat yeah okay really nice of him to do that by the way that was nice he didn't have to do that did he do that in between a show yeah, you know what? You I know I said I, I know I said I called him last night, but I actually waited backstage for him to come out to the bus. Okay. After the show. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now well, that I'm remembering this. Okay. How many beers did you have? You had more than one light beer. I just had the two. You had the two now. Yeah. So now it's that's up what to I said two. before. No, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was one before. Now it's up to two. All right. What are your thoughts on on blue dress? Yeah, I I would have eliminated this pretty early on. Okay. Um, I, I'm right there with you. Are we in lockstep again? We still are. Yeah, Man, it's gonna have to get. We're gonna have to get ugly at some point. Maybe this will like. be the show. Maybe it will. All right, continue. Uh, good thing I'm wearing my guy liner to cover the the black eye. <laughs> I've got my my leather vest, shirtless with my leather vest right now to protect if you only, from the the chain that I'm gonna whip out and smack only, you around with. It's gonna get real gone. Yeah. So this this is a song uh, that starts out pretty nicely, like you said, beautiful uh, vocal there from martin gore and it's a really nice uh musically it's kind of like a nice almost a nice moment which is weird because it's about i don't know watching somebody get dressed or undressed uh i wasn't really clear on that i should have gotten more clarity it's almost like it's a little pervy it is it is i've heard somebody say that before Mm -hmm. um can't remember who uh i i like it 
but like you said, we got to start eliminating some things. Um, interestingly enough, uh, one of these samples in this one is from the David, the 1977 David Lynch film Eraserhead. You ever seen this film? No, I worked in a video store. This is one of those movies that like film nerds talked about all the time, but I never saw it. I was I was a poser film nerd. Okay. Let's just call it what it is. What was, I, the, what was the name of the video store you worked at? Oh, it was called uh, Payless Video, Matt, <laughs> Denton, Texas, okay. Sunset Drive. And did you pay less? Movies were 99 cents, but you know the trade-off was that you only got to keep them one night. So those had to be back in the box the next day. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd get charged another 99 cents. Okay. Those so, are pretty high stakes, we, was, man. Yeah. I don't know was, how y'all do things was, on the mean streets of Austin. Man, Denton, actually. Oh, Denton. Denton. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, it's all right. Um, Disparaging Denton now, in addition to Tom Fogarty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is uh, not a bad song at all. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Alan Wilder, I could play a clip of him talking again about an outro of a song. Let me, um, let me make sure I plug in, okay, yeah. plug in that clip. Hang on. Okay, yeah. All right, I'll play and This it is now. a controversial take from him, so okay. just brace yourself, listener. Right, I'm, I'm playing it now. Not really one of my favorites, uh, hence penultimate track on the LP, which is a filler position. Wow. That's... Yeah. So did you did you know that the penultimate track is a filler position? I I is never it? really. I don't know. That's what I want to pose to you. I've never really thought of it that way. Well, we need to do a show on penultimate tracks. Okay. Because of the albums that we've done so far, I think his he's he, I think he's onto something. Actually, okay. So let's let's be so, aware. Let's be of that aware of the going the forward. Alan Wilder wants us to kind of keep an eye on that. Penultimate's bad. Ultimate's good. Well, not in this case. Not in this we case. eliminated that first, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe he should have uh, thought more about his ultimate. There you go. Yeah. Well, so anyway, uh, all, all of my more. preparation went into obtaining those two sound clips, so I don't have much more to say about the song. We do the work here at we Top do. We put in the hard in, The, the investigative hard journalism. Is it, is did, it back did to you, my turn? Did you? Who? Yes. What were you going to say? Yes, I eliminate. Wait, did you, you eliminate Blue Dress? No, you did. Okay. I eliminated Clean. You eliminated Swedish. Wait, did I eliminate Blue Dress? I think you did. Holy shit. Yeah, clean. You eliminated Swedish Perfection. I eliminated Blue Dress. Here at Top Track, we get it right. So it, sometimes it takes a minute. Um, <laughs> all right, so Matt, it is up to you to eliminate your next track. It's about to start getting controversial in here, Andrew. Okay. I'm going to eliminate Personal Jesus. Holy shit. No safe word needed. Wow, okay. No safe word needed. So we are eliminating a big Personal song. Jesus...
All right. Um, breaking news. Personal Jesus, the fourth song eliminated <laughs> from top track, Depeche Mode Violator. You've just, you haven't violated, uh, <laughs> I almost said you haven't viol- violated me yet. <laughs> you haven't uh you haven't uh justified the safe word the safe word but um before you explain why this was the next on your list can i muster a guess sure just heard it too damn many times oh oh i'm seeing a different reality let's i think um one of these songs is not like the others and this is it this is the one track that kind of stands out is um not really in the Depeche Mode vein. I think it, and I think it's the prominence of the guitar, which is not bad. I like the guitar work on it, uh, but also I like to I like to build somebody up before I take them out at the kneecaps. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about some of the bona fides of this song. Ranked number three sixty eight in Rolling Stone's five hundred greatest songs of all time. Q Magazine says this is one of the hundred greatest synth songs of all time. This was their first top forty song since people are people uh and stayed on the charts for 23 weeks so there you go uh obviously everyone in the world agrees with me that this is a mediocre song um i'd like to give a shout out to my co-worker colleen spillan again for giving me the courage to knock this off so early because she agrees with me on this this is not one of their finer tunes uh do tell but it it does mark uh, an interesting change in direction where we start getting more of Martin's um, guitar work on songs. He's a big fan of the Gretsch hollow body, uh, which you will see him bring out uh, for a lot of songs after this uh, in, in their canon. Uh, it's an interesting 12 eighths time, which you don't really see a whole lot in um, in in rock songs. Supposedly inspired by Priscilla Presley's book, Elvis and me he kind of read that and uh, it's a song about how Elvis was kind of a a Jesus figure to Priscilla and everything that she did in her life was kind of like in service to him one of he was her personal Jesus yes exactly exactly Uh, there's a fair amount of space at the end of the song that just kind of um, is instrumental goes nowhere I feel like the song could have been tighter Apparently, this is one of Robert Smith's 30 greatest songs of the 80s. <laughs> Not of all time. Well, yeah. And he's bar- it's barely an 80s song. I mean, it came out in August of 89. That's true. So maybe that was a diss by Robert Smith. Maybe so. The uh, Have you ever heard Johnny Cash's version of this song? Mm-hmm. I enjoy that song a lot more than I enjoy the original because I feel like it's more... Uh, he's really wearing his beliefs on his sleeve like this song actually means something to him and so it's sung with a lot more heart i feel like this one's uh kind of like tongue-in-cheek almost um just doesn't do a whole lot for me i'll just be honest the guitar is actually one of the reasons why i like it however i agree with you that the johnny cash version is better and i the the last i think you're right like the last 60 seconds could have been could have been cut right off and it almost feels like a, a dance remix and i want to say that the radio edit or maybe the mtv video version didn't have a lot of that at the end i didn't really realize a lot of that stuff until listening to the album i think 
like a lot of that stuff was new. And so I had to go and double check and make sure I wasn't listening to like a remix. Yeah. Um, because I think for the most part, the, that last minute, minute, however long that little outro is, wasn't in a lot of the, uh, and I'm looking at it now. So that, so the length is 456. That's the album version. I promise you mm-hmm. the radio version, the seven inch version was 344. Okay. Well, okay. There you, there you go. go. So yeah, they, the they radio off, realized the was... radio realized that that like that last minute was nonsense, so they cut it out. I mean, it's it's a fine song. It's not something that I listen to just for the hell of it. I, it's r- rarely one that I put. There's a couple on here that I do listen to a lot more. That's not one of them. So um, I think um, you know you um, really took it to Martin Gore's kneecaps, but I think he'll live. So uh, if and, you if you go listen, there's a. There's actually an acoustic version of this song that the Depeche Mode put out, mm-hmm. which is really good. Okay. And as a matter of fact, during the live show, Dave and, uh, and Martin came out to the peninsula area of the stage and kind of played this acoustic, just the two of them singing uh, to start the song, which was a very compelling version of it. And then they kicked in with the, the dancey, you know, track that we all know. And mm. I was actually more um, enthralled cool. by the, sounds... the acoustic version. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. As it is with like a lot of the songs and albums we do, a lot of the ideas are fine. It's the execution that usually hits or misses. And I think this song, I think a different a different version, like what you're saying, um, could have been considered that maybe would have made this song a little better and a little more listenable on repeat listens. So um, I don't think you're going to get a bunch of Depeche Mode fan, yeah. fans up in arms. But if you are, at 1-800-TOP-TRACK, tell Matt what you think. And, uh, and uh, leave it in the comments. Uh, email him. Um, all right, Matt, you got anything else about uh, personal Jesus before we move on? Yeah, a couple things of note. Just I was kind of talking about the interesting things they sampled, and there's like a huge stomp in this that is... Uh, the band members stomping on some flight cases, you know, those big robust cases that they carry their uh, gear around in. Yeah. So that's kind of that stomping uh, noise. And uh, we kind of talked about probably some reverb on there. Probably. Yeah. 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 It's kind of of like an echo to it. It's a big sound. Yeah. It's a big sound. And then, um, you know, we were talking about in the beach boys episode that uh, the band had like some trepidation about uh, having a song. God only knows that has, the word God in it. It's not mm-hmm. like uh, you know, typically rock and roll kind of song doesn't usually scream success. And these guys had the similar uh, trepidation about having the word Jesus in in a song, but it worked out for them commercially. But I knocked it off the list because you know, it's, it's too late, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's too late. We can't go back. The next song on my list is somewhere. Actually, I think this song closes side one. This is a song called Waiting for the Night. Reality. I'm waiting for the night to fall when everything is bearable. And there in the still, all that you feel is tranquility.
First of all, um, I love the 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 verses in that weird minor chord, very dark. Mm-hmm. Depeche Mode, you're right, a little dark at times. But I love the transition into the major to where it just totally changes yes. the entire feel of the song. This might be controversial, but if they had taken this and given it kind of a beat, I think you have a a, a bona fide hit. Hmm. If you've given it, you don't have to change the tempo. Just give it a, a beat underneath. And I think it makes the song, and I wish I had actually done that, like tried to like find some sort of beat underneath it to put under it. But like, I feel like it, it, it probably totally changes the, the whole vibe of the song. But I think, I think it would have been very catchy, very radio friendly. And I think they get a top, top 20 hit out of it. But I really do like this song. This was, um, yeah. When I first listened to the album all the way through, this is one of the ones I went back to and listened to it a lot because I really liked it. It's a good song. It's an amazing song. This is uh, actually my third favorite song on the album, Ooh. so you hit kind of close to the bone there, Andrew. Uh, I think it's a But gorgeous. I didn't violate anything? <laughs> no, nobody was violated. Okay. Not yet, anyway. I didn't reach out and touch any, any faith. <laughs> touch my faith. I didn't touch your faith. Um, this is a gorgeous song, and it's criminally overlooked in the Depeche Mode canon. Like nobody mm-hmm. talks about this song when they're telling you about the Depeche Mode songs that they love. Um, it's it's an incredibly introspective song, and it seems like Gahan and Gore at their most vulnerable. And I talked about that moment in the live show where these two guys came out by themselves together up front at the stage and and sang it beautifully. Those harmonies were on point, and they gave each other a giant hug just a magical moment and it just kind of tells you i think i think this song is special for them too and this isn't a song about debauchery or temptation this is just a song about like trying to find tranquility in a maddening world and i'm like you i love the hopeful choruses on this i feel like in the depeche mode canon those moments are few and far between where there's a hopeful moment and i think it works perfectly um now alan wilder and and um, uh, the producer on this album, Flood, famous mega producer who has uh, too many bona fides to even list on this show. Wow, so many that you can't even name them? Oh my gosh. I have a list. D- I- indulge us. Okay. Um, this is a long one. I mean, this guy's just, he's, 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 been, on, he's been on everything. So. You have any audio clips? I, you know, I I did interview for him for the show, but I feel like his work just speaks speaks okay. for itself. So, oh, okay. Uh, New Order, U two, Nine Inch Nails, Gary Newman, Thirty Seconds to Mars. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I wrote that one down. <laughs> Nick Cave, P J Harvey, Sigur Ross, Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, got his start as the uh, tape operator on Rick Wakeman's nineteen eighty four debut album. Hmm. Uh, also uh, got his big break on U2's The Joshua Tree. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, they, they said they are trying to kind of emulate Tangerine Dream, and it kind of comes across uh, very... I could definitely hear that. Very yeah. synthy, arpeggi- arpeggiated. And uh, I, I feel like I, I like pointing out the crazy samples in these songs because these guys work really hard at it. Uh, the There's some chants, in the some throaty chants in the bridge that are from the... The tuva throat singing artist Dimitri 
Damba Darza from his album Throat Songs and Folk Tunes from Tuva from 1969. Are you familiar with that album? That's not in my uh, my archive. Okay, we'll do that one on the next time we get to the D's. Okay. We'll, uh, okay. we'll do Dimitri What's the name Darza. of it again? Dimitri Darza. But what's the name of the album? Throat Songs and Folk Tunes from Tuva. Throat <laughs> That's very specific. Yeah. Uh, and that goes to show you like what a labor of love it is for these it was for these guys piecing together finding the right samples uh you know just kind of stitching together these weird things to make these great songs well dimitri darza fans shout out to shout shout out out to my boy dimitri darza yeah all right the ball is back in your court we're now down to four songs okay on the violator on violator not the that's that was rude i shouldn't have referred to it as the violator it doesn't need the article it's violator all right so what, what's the next song on violator that you're taking off the list i'm gonna go with world in my eyes You may not like this song very much, but you know who does like this song? Denmark. Got up to number two. This was a single in Denmark and got up to number two on the Denmark. And in Espana. And, and, and in Espana. Yeah. Right. Now, the U.S. Uh, did not care for this song as much as the Danes did. Uh, it was number 52 in the U.S. Still not uh, a travesty. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it deserved better. This is a great song. It is. I um, liked it. I'm not going to hate on this song. Uh, it's hard eliminating songs at this point. Sure. Uh, it's got a killer synth bass sampler groove on it. Uh, Andy Fletcher, God rest his soul, said that this is among his favorite Depeche Mode tracks. This is a strong side one, track one. It is. It's a good opener. I had that in my notes. And it's the perfect thesis for the album that follows. It's tight. It's dark. There's synth, there's samples, it's brooding, uh, brooding lyrics about intimacy. Uh, what more could you ask for in a Depeche Mode song? Uh, the, the key components of this are the Mini Moog and the ARP 2600. Those are two instruments that they used exclusively uh, for pretty much every song on this album. The original demo apparently was faster and upbeat, and um, Dave left uh, to go on kind of like a a little mini vacay while they were recording it and he came back and he initially hated this song but then he warmed up to it and laid down one of the great Dave Gahan performances I think his delivery on this is just really cool um and uh this is this is one of those songs that 
pays homage to craft work. I think you'll kind of hear craft workian uh, elements seeping into a lot of these Depeche Mode songs. Also very sample heavy. Uh, this one also samples Fleetwood Mac's Black Magic Woman to just show you how much uh, mileage they get out of one random sample. Um, it's got a, there's one synth hit from She Blinded Me With Science that they chose to use. Uh, no one will ever find it, but it's there. And then uh, another sample from a Brian Ferry song called Don't Stop the Dance. Uh, just a random drum element. So these guys are really... They know um, their stuff. They really do. They love music. They love making it. And that's fun. The only thing I don't like about it is that, that really high-pitched... Hmm. I kind of nailed that. Yeah, didn't I? that sounded yeah. like a sample from the song. Uh, that's the only part about it that I don't like. It's a little too weird. It's it gives me kind of a weird feeling. But so you're saying the demo was faster? Yeah, I know, and less brooding. I think I like. I think I would like to hear the faster version. Mm, mm. I think I would like to hear a slightly more up tempo. That's just me, though. This is the part. But of you the... know, I'm I'm representing mainstream. <laughs> I'm representing. The common man. I'm representing just the the, the blue collar, um, every man. Yeah. Well, that's know? what our listeners expect. They're like Andrew Mull, that guy is basic. That's what they keep saying in the comments. <laughs> that's what they. Uh, that's what that's what the the emails tell me. But yeah, I think that's what I would. I think I might have liked that a little better. But I still like it a lot. I really do. It's a good song. It's a great opener, like you said, and. It's uh, it's very Depeche Mode. It, mm-hmm. It's like there are a couple songs on here, you know, that um, if you're saying, well, what what does Depeche Mode sound like? Give me a Depeche Mode song. This is yeah. probably a good one that I would say. If you want to know what Depeche Mode sounds, no, that's so. that's a fair point. Yeah. All right, we are down to the final three. It's amazing with these nine song albums how quickly we get there. It's amazing. <laughs> The, the next right ones out. <laughs> Kept the gotta, wrong ones in. Life is a journey, not a destination. <laughs> uh, all right, so I, I, I wonder if this was the one that you had. So my next song to eliminate is a good song, Halo. Mm, yes, it is. This is this was your next it is. one. Yep. All right, here is Halo. nothing wrong with it it's, no. a, it's a good song uh and it's um 
it's very of the time. It's it's okay. It's good. Yeah, and unlike Sweetest Perfection, this song actually does go somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it has a fantastic chorus that I just yeah. really love. This is we didn't really did we get to the chorus? I don't think we did. But think you we know, did. listeners, they've got listening devices. That's true. At That's home. true. Can, we don't have to baby them. No, go to go go check out the They're chorus. Savvy people. Hit pause on your podcast. Go listen to the chorus. And yeah. Now, and now you can unpause it, and Matt, Matt's going to break down the chorus. Um, has all the elements of Violator and the post-Violator era Depeche Mode that you would want in a song. Mm-hmm. It's got the dark synths, the bass lines, the big stomping drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the interesting samples once again. It has drums. Black Magic Woman? No. I'm going to go. This one's actually pretty mainstream. This is their main, most mainstream sample. Uh, Rhiannon, does it have any other uh, Fleetwood <laughs> that Mac? That would be awesome. That's, that's actually my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. Oh, is it really? It is, yeah. Is right. Don't Stop sampled in this one? Bill Clinton's uh, Victory Song, <laughs> if you recall. <laughs> Watching the Clintons clap on stage. To, out of, out yes. of offbeat. They're just kind of in a strange fashion, like they'd never clapped before. Like they'd never heard the song before. <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to have to edit this out, aren't we? I hope not. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Uh, drum sample from Led Zeppelin's A Little Song Called When the Levee Breaks. Mm, I think I've heard of that one. And they didn't sample the original. They sampled secondhand from Tone Loke's Don't Get Close. I love that they pulled it from a Tone Loke album. Instead so of, they, they sampled a sampled sample. A sample. They, they pulled an Inception. They went Christopher Nolan on this. Man. They're like, that sample's not good enough. We want Tone Loke's version. They went six degrees of Kevin Bacon on us. <laughs> it did. The And also, I, I love that they not only used these mainstream sounds that everybody knows, they also sampled something from one of the sound libraries on the EMU. It's called Sound Ideas Series 1000 General Effects Library Track Number 35 Shiphorn. I don't, shit porn? Ship horn. Ship horn. Okay. Ship. It's Depeche Mode, though, dude. I mean, I don't know. I'll definitely be These boys are not clean. Out. No, that's true. Uh, I love this song, though. I, I don't know. Words really fail to describe what a great song this is. Why is it called Halo? Is it about the video game? It is. It was written 25 years before. But it but it uh, it touches on you know these themes of guilt. There's a lot of guilt. Uh, in Dave Gahan and Martin Gore's world, the third word in this song is guilt. Mm-hmm. You wear guilt like shackles on your feet, like a halo in reverse. So it's about the shackles. I like the halo in reverse imagery. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, all right. So we go straight from halo in reverse to the last two songs. So I, I eliminated halo. And we're back at what happened uh, back with the cars a couple of weeks ago. You have the, whatever the word might be. but the you, burden. The burden. It's more of a burden than it is an honor. Um, you have... <laughs> like the, being on this show. You're right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have the burden um, of determining the top, not only the, t- you, the second to the last track, as well as the top track. Mm-hmm. So... I'm envious of your position right now because you're going to tell us basically what the, this is like. Uh, this is like the Miss America pageant. Yeah, this is know? like Marie Antoinette. I'm going to have that cake. I'm going to eat it too. That's right. So tell us what is the second to the last track you're eliminating. All right, the the penultimate elimination mm. 
uh, from this would have to be Policy of Truth. Okay. Policy of Truth. Never again. <laughs> I yeah. love Policy of Truth. I initially had this as my top track. I hear you, man. And then I switched it. It's... I switched it like a day ago to. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. Right, right. What's left? It, well, I don't know. I switched it to another song, but Policy of Truth was one I had as my top track for a, for a good few days. So anyway. Yeah, and as I'm listening to it now, I'm like, did I make the wrong choice? Yeah. But that's how good that's how, that's, yeah, these that's last how good two songs are. Man, this yep. is such an awesome song. Um, I love Dave's vocal performance on this. If you read the lyrics uh, just on the page there, and you try to think if you could sing those lyrics into this song, it doesn't make sense. Like it, he He nails the delivery so well. It doesn't seem like it should work. Um, the timing is perfect. He fits into the pocket so well, and it's such a great groove. This this song has like everything you would want in a Depeche Mode song. It's got great verses, great pre-chorus, great chorus, cool bridge. Um, the this is the closest thing we're gonna get to a Depeche Mode uh, guitar rocker, I think. And it's not just straight up guitar. Of course, it's sampled guitar. It's like martin playing rhythm guitar and they fed it into the sampler and played it on a keyboard because they're depeche mode uh but it really works and there's also some slide guitar in here that really elevates the song i think they just got really creative with it uh, i love everything about it and um these guys apparently worked really hard on this according to wilder he said that like they spent just days and days and days trying to find the right instrumentation for the melody and they ended up using a sample uh, that's an unidentified Asian instrument hmm. uh, which I think is just interesting that they uh, they just went with what sounds perfect to us but was really a tough choice for them to make apparently um, this is one of Martin's favorite Depeche Mode songs and I tend to agree do they play this did they play this one I'm surely they did right well Oh no! Oh, breaking They news. did not. Walking away from that show, I, I was thinking and talking to my friend Kate. I was like, something was left out. Something really important. It wasn't enjoy the silence. It was something else. It was this song, man. Okay. And I'm with you. You go back and forth thinking like, which is the best song on this album? This could have been a great B side to that other song that I'm sure you're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, so this song this song was on all the time, and I never really got tired of it, which is rare yeah. because a lot of the times when they would overplay songs, especially some of the more of the poppier synthy stuff, um, 
around that time, they, they would wear a song out. And this one was on MTV all the time. It was on Top 40 Radio all the time. And you mentioned all the different parts. There, There's the verse, there's the chorus, there's the pre-chorus, there's bridge. But it doesn't sound... You don't, it's not like, oh, here's the bridge. Oh, mm-hmm. here's the pre chorus. Here's the chorus. It all sounds very fluid, which is cool. You're you right. don't really recognize the transitions, which to me is a mark of a good song when you don't, when you can feel the change rather than sort of just your brain kind of knowing the change. Um, that's one of the things I really like about it. I'm kind of staggered and it didn't really go to number one anywhere. It, uh, it got close in Finland. It hit the top five. It got close in Italy. Hit top five. It hit three. Well, you I don't really count that. UK indie. Um, fifteen in the US. Fifteen in the US. Sixteen in the UK. Like that's bonkers, in the UK. man. Yeah, that's that's. I, I would expected. I would have expected. Maybe there were some really big songs that were rivaling it at the time, but. Um, I'm surprised that it really wasn't top 10 in anywhere else. Uh, Spain, it was top 10. Um, Ireland, it was almost top 10. So, you know, it it, it performed well in some places. Uh, West Germany, so this, of course, is pre-Berlin pre, uh, pre, uh, Wall, I guess. But, like, um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that uh, it didn't get higher in the U.S. or the U.K. It really the U.K. I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. it didn't get higher there. But at any rate, a uh, really good song. And um, yeah, it was it was when I was listening to the album the, the whole way through the first time and I and came to Policy of Truth, I was like, well, this will be my top track. Sure. However, there is one song that I think is a little better. Maybe by default, I don't know how you want to word it, but I'll let you set this up, Matt. What is the top track on Depeche, Depeche Mode's 1990 Violator? What you well, got? we're going to do the opposite of enjoying the silence. We're mm. going to enjoy a great rock song. Yep, here we go. This is Enjoy the Silence. There's your top track. Wouldn't Go it be funny it. if it was like that John Cage uh, song that's just like four minutes of silence? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, here you go. Enjoy the silence. Luckily, it's <laughs> luckily there's a little more to it. Yeah, uh, number four hundred fifteen on Rolling Stone's five hundred best songs of all time. Um, this is the second single uh, reached number eight on the Billboard Hot 100, which is surprising. Seems like it should have been higher. This song to me is a masterpiece, dude. Like I I have very strong feelings of how this song made me feel as a 10-year-old when I first heard it. It was very indicative of a time and place. Like I first heard it at night driving home in the car with my parents from like Essence Cinema 4 and uh what movie were you seeing? Uh I was seeing uh 
the I think I was seeing The Wizard. Does that pan out? Probably. That, that movie about the video games. <laughs> One of the best modes. One Top best. five modes. Um, this song scared me. It intrigued me too. It's like a horror film where you can't look away. It made the world around me feel like a dystopian nightmare scape, and I loved it, man. Man. Is this what got you into Depeche Mode? I think it did. Yeah. I think this got me hooked. I'm like, these guys, there's just something about, you know, the way this music makes me feel. And it was uh it was more it was more complicated a feeling than most songs gave me at the time. Um interestingly, as dark as this as the composition is on this song, this is actually a rare standout in terms of it's a song about contentedness. Um, Martin Gore said, um, it's just a feeling of not wanting anything else, feeling totally satisfied. And even if words feel like an intrusion, uh, you don't need anything else. You're totally happy. So, uh, this is one of those rare instances where Depeche Mode is perfectly content. And, uh, apparently Gore, it's like an early demo version where it's Gore just playing a hormone harmonium. And that version is pretty cool too. And apparently he hated it, uh, even hated the treatment that Flood did until Flood was like, well, just put some guitar on it. And then he did, and it turned into the song that we all know and love here and um, turned out really great. Another interesting sample on here as well uh, from the, the, the choir parts are sampled from the Bulgarian state female vocal choir uh, 1975 song Sableyayo me agonse, which translates to the bleeding lamb. Now that one I do have yeah. in my library. I knew you were a big fan of that. That's why yeah. I mentioned it. But yeah. um, this is a perfect song, and kind of alluding to what you said on the last song, I agree with what you said. I'd never get tired of that song, "Policy of Truth." I never get tired of this song. Well, this one hit. Uh, this one did go to number one in a few places. Went to number one in Spain. Went to number one in Denmark. And went to number two in, well, it hit number two. Yeah, hit number two in Switzerland. Um, so this one had some uh, slightly higher chart positions. So let me ask you this. When you first heard this song, did you go out and buy the album? Like, was this sort of the prelude or the, did this kick off kind of a deep dive into Depeche Mode? Or did, like, what? I mean, you're 10, so it's not yeah. like you can just sort of, I think I was at the time I was buying way dorkier things than this. Um, I was probably too scared. You were going, going to see the wizard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I probably picked, I don't know. I probably picked up the greatest hits before I picked up violator. Okay. Um, oh, they had a greatest, greatest hits. They have a couple of volumes of greatest hits, okay. uh, spanning various decades. Well, this, this album was remastered, remixed or remastered, I think in Oh six. And they added some extra tracks to it, and I wonder if that version of "Enjoy the Silence" is on that box set. It's not really a box set; it might have been a two-disc thing. That one's a double disc, yeah. Um, you have it, or are yes. you familiar with it? Yes. Uh, is it on there? It is on there. I don't oh. know which version it is, though. Okay. But uh, whoever remixed it, I, I remember reading that they had a heck of a time piecing it back together, just because of the craziness that these guys, um, the crazy things these guys did to compose these songs. Like yeah. each one of these elements is a separate sound file and like 
piecing together what they did and how they did it was very tricky. And we're talking about tape, probably, right? Yeah. Or are we talking about well, and, digital and, files? This well, point? interestingly, so if you remember that Ferris, Bue- Ferris Bueller synth, it had a place for floppy disks. And so right. a lot of those sounds were derived from five and a quarter inch floppy disks. So mm. imagine the task of somebody trying to piece together some of these original sounds you're actually probably having to find those floppy disks as well if you need to plug them in somewhere maybe you lost one of those in the mix you need to recreate it some kind of way it sounds like an almost impossible task actually yeah Yeah. Hmm. so you're right the remixes are probably quite a bit different to the discerning ear than the originals were yeah um well there you have it there there is violator and matt we you did hit my safe word but um, well, no. Did we? We didn't. Well, no. You said you changed it at the last minute. I changed it oh, at yeah. the last minute, yeah. so it doesn't count. Which doesn't is actually count. what I did with Aerosmith. I, okay. I actually had. Um, oh, now the truth comes out. Now the truth. Now yeah. we're uncovering. Uh, what was that song? <laughs> I don't remember. Living on the edge. Living on the edge. Yeah, and, that was. And crying. That was my favorite song until the night before, and then I changed it to crying. Changed it to so, last minute. Uh, okay. You know. Well, I think, oh, you know, the one thing we didn't talk about, which I think we can talk about really quickly, is the album cover mm-hmm. of Violator. And for those who are maybe driving and can't see it, it's, um, what, what's happening in this album cover? <laughs> Matt, why don't you just tell us? It's some roses, Andrew. Okay, it's, it's just roses on top of each other? your standard roses well no there's something else going on with them I'll it's just it looks like it's one rose it, it looks You're like right. it's it is it's, one rose. it's it's one it's it's one rose that's it's not the best album cover it's i've ever not. seen it's not terrible but it's not the best I've it ever works seen. but i feel like it could have been better anton corbin the the famous uh videographer who shot a lot of their videos mm-hmm came up with this um and now i remember i actually have a quote from anton if you want to hear it yeah yeah okay. audio clip or just a quote it's an audio clip yeah okay, well, i actually on. interviewed me, i can't a... believe i forgot this you forgot this well i mean let me yeah. let me get my plug in here all right um, you may have to put the subtitles on though because i think he's from a strange part of england okay yeah these guys are from basildon oh, that sounds very <laughs> british doesn't it it is all right go ahead all right the passion is different from you too they're not very involved they 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 say, can you do the album? And I come up with an idea. With Violator, I just painted a flower red and nailed it to a board and wrote under it, Violator. That was Anton that, Corbin. That, that sounds like Keith Richards. Mm-mm. I want to hear your Keith Richards. <laughs> the album or the artist's name is in the top right Yeah, top corner. right, which I kind of like. Is, is that? Yeah, I have a problem with that. Interesting. I, yeah. It makes it easy to find in your library. Well, that's true. That's true. It makes it easier to find than throaty songs of the... <laughs> the, the tuba... The, uh, the, the folk, folk singers. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Out of the album covers we've done so far, if we may rank them, I would say this one... This one, actually... <laughs> this is the best. Believe it or not, I think this you're right. might be the best of the four we've done so far. I think you're right. Because I'm not putting the goat petting zoo picture in no, there. No, that's awful. Uh, that's the, awful the, trash. The, the pierced udder. I'm not putting yeah, that in the there. The cars was just kind of, okay. The cars one was fine. 
but like oh, you're right this is this is the f- best of the four album covers we've interesting all right so that brings us to the end of our show we thank you all for listening and hope you enjoyed it uh, if you want to follow us please go to top track pod on instagram you can find us there you can also find us on facebook we have a facebook page top track you can stream us on all the platforms we're everywhere you can get us on google itunes spotify amazon music iHeartRadio, uh and i think we're on a couple other ones as well so whatever your podcatcher is whatever your the whatever way you get your podcasts you'll find us and if you want to email us, you can go to toptrackpodcast at gmail.com. Matt, is there anything else, any other ways that people can get a hold of us? There's You can follow us to work. That's another way to follow us that people don't really think about a whole lot, but oh, it, is, it is an option. That wouldn't be that'd a big be deal. Great. Yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great. Fine. It'd be fine. It'd kind Ultimate of, flattery. Yeah, absolutely. It'd mix up the day. We will be back next week with our Top Track Almanac, and we'll be back in two weeks with Letter E. Thanks. See you next week.